Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. 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 And the Half Drunk Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Harry Potter and the Half-Drunk Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Emily. And this is a super exciting (laughs) week for us at Harry Potter and the Half-Drunk Podcast because it is all about the one, the only, the myth, the legend, Ginevra Molly Weasley. Yes. And I have been waiting for this episode for a while. The anticipation has been building for two weeks. Longer for us, but two weeks for you guys. Now it's about to explode everywhere. Yeah, (laughs) we're so excited. (laughs) I apologize in advance for my voice. I am sick, so bear with me in that regard. But it's not the coronavirus, so no worries. I don't have the coronavirus. Wash your hands, everyone. (laughs) Wash your hands. Just practice basic hygiene. You should be fine. You'll be all right. Yeah, (laughs) So, so... This week is all about Ginny Weasley. We're so excited. Super underrated character, in our opinion. Even though I feel like she does get a lot of credit, she still doesn't get as much credit as she deserves. For sure. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people forget about some of her best moments, and that's sad. Because, like, I get how you can read and then forget about something that really struck you, but that's what we're here to clear up. And remind everybody of why Ginny is so great because of all the moments we see throughout the series yeah I'm like really excited because she's probably she's definitely top five characters for me so yeah and like I don't I don't know I just you know this I've had a deep attachment to Ginny for the longest time you have you have when we used to dress up that's you'd dress up as so yeah all right So this week, our drink of the week is inspired by Ginny's fiery red hair. So it is an Aperol Spritz, which if you've never had one, I highly recommend. This is actually my drink of choice nowadays. So Really? Yeah, it is. You find it at happy hour all over LA, everywhere. I love it. It's a very basic drink, but it's really good. So, you know... If you're going to drink it, good. Own it. That's my opinion. Um, If you're going to drink it, yes. Yes, just own it. Don't be shy about being basic. It's delicious. So it's two ounces of Prosecco, one and a fourth ounces of Aperol liqueur, and a splash of soda water. I don't know why I just said that's so weird. (laughs) Water. Um... (laughs) Good lord. Okay, so you fill a glass with ice, usually kind of a wide mouth champagne glass or a wine glass is fine. Um, you add Prosecco, the Aperol, and the soda water, and you gent- gently combine and you garnish with a slice of an orange. So it looks like a golden sunset, and it reminds us of our favorite warm yet fiery red-haired woman, Ginny. Ah. Uh. Love it. It's delicious. I feel like Ginny would be a fan of this drink. So I'm about it. Yeah. I I love an Aperol spritz. It can be made terribly wrong, but if you make it correctly, it is very good. 
Yeah, I honestly hadn't had one until I moved here. And ever since I've had one, I've been like, you know what? That sounds like exactly what I need at this happy hour. Because <laughs> they're it's really cheaper. Good. It's good. And like they give them to you pretty cheap. So, and it's really, it's not expensive to make. It's not hard to make. It's pretty good go-to if you just want a little cocktail action. So, yeah, they're super refreshing. Um, if you like Prosecco or Champagne, it's you'll love it so and Aperol it's kind of like it's a citrusy liqueur it's Italian liquor right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so get your little foreign flair on (laughs) and um we'll just dive into talking about our fave Jenny Weasley with y'all's poll results and what your favorite Jenny moments were yeah so we asked this week our listeners to tell us their favorite Ginny moments and we got a lot of feedback which was awesome so I'll just read a couple the first one there's the moment when Harry knows he has to leave and she is calm and collected and I really appreciated JK Rowling's writing in that way that Ginny is strong and trusts that she doesn't need to get all crazed about Harry so I love that and Mm -hmm. that is one huge reason that I love Ginny is because she understands that Harry has this hero complex and she understands that he also has a job to do and she's not going to stand in his way. She's going to miss him, obviously. Yeah. But she also understands her role and that she needs to step up and protect Hogwarts too. Right. Like she's emotionally intelligent. Like she knows who she's in love with. She's in love with the chosen one. She's not just in love with any other regular boy. Right. So she knows that she's going to have to make compromises and sacrifices when it comes to their love right another one was one of my favorites is when she stood up for harry and flourish and blots to draco leave him alone he didn't want all that it was her first time really speaking in front of harry and we get a glimpse of who she'll be later on i think that's spot on yeah i love that yeah for sure then of course there's the blasting the death eaters and the ministry of magic obviously watch out little sister Someone says all of them, Slay Queen. Yes, that is basically the tone of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) When she comforts the injured girl at the Battle of Hogwarts. Yes, I feel like that is a moment that kind of can be overlooked, unfortunately, but shows her compassionate side. Mm -hmm. When she gets invited to the slug club for using a bat bogey hex, like literally saw her used a bat bogey hex on Zachariah Smith and then invited her to the slug club. And she did that because he kept pestering her about what happened in the Department of Mysteries. And she's like, dude, mind your own fucking business. Get out of my face with this bat bogey hex. Uh, And then this one, which we've talked about on the podcast before, but I love that you guys are picking up on it too, how she responds whenever she gets slut-shamed by her brothers. Yes. Mm -hmm. She is all about being an empowered woman and standing up for herself and making her own decisions. And, you know, she calls him out, especially Ron. She puts Ron in his place a lot. Yeah. So one more. And again, this kind of relates to another one that we read of, you know, she recognizes his savior complex, hero complex. It's for some stupid noble reason, isn't it? Ginny had always known that Harry's sometimes super annoying savior complex would not allow them to be together until everything was settled. She handled herself with such grace during their breakup, and she fully understood what needed to be done. Overall, Ginny is a true icon and did not deserve to be portrayed as Harry's love interest, or just Harry's love interest in the films. 
Yeah. I mean, I understand that that is what she is. She is Harry's love interest, you know. That's one part of who she is, yeah. Yeah, but, like, that that's not all that she is. And I think the films give us glimpses of her book character at points, like in... Order of the Phoenix when she casts the spell and then all the orbs break and in other moments too. But but she also looks shocked that she did that. <laughs> or like she starts, she realizes that she shouldn't have done that. And I'm just like, mm, I don't know. I, I struggle really hard to give any grace to how she's portrayed in the film. It's problematic, right? Because I love Bonnie Wright and I think that she was perfectly cast for appearance-wise, physical appearance-wise, yes. Yeah, but I think that she only had so much to work with because they clearly only revolved around the Golden Trio, which, I mean, granted, they are the main characters, but yeah, I, it's so problematic. Yeah, but she's also, she starts integrating into them. Like, she's always sort of just, like, rotating in. She's, like, sub me in whenever they need anybody. She's on the sidelines waiting. And it gets even more pronounced, like, probably f- fourth, fifth book on. She, You see a lot more of her. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just problematic is how it, is descri- it should be described. Yeah, definitely. Her part in the film really doesn't pass that one, what is it called? The test of where a woman in a film. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, and I should know what it is. But where, like, they can't be on screen for longer than, like, a minute without it's somehow their conversation turning into or a man yeah. being brought up. Being, I mean, yeah. they do such a good job of Hermione's... I mean, and we've also talked about how Hermione's character in the films can be sort of problematic as well and not portrayed as well as her book counterpart. And I think Ginny, it's a whole nother level. I mean, Luna, they gave us book Luna. They did not compromise on her yeah. character at all yeah. so it, it is interesting that i feel like neville is pretty good as well neville is pretty good i think ron uh he's pretty good too harry could be more sassy let's just be real um <laughs> always good to use more spice. <laughs> always use more charisse but it's just interesting to me that you would choose someone who would become such a key player in the story, not only for his romantic part, but also being just a super powerful witch. It's just interesting to me that they'd choose to kind of sideline her. Yeah, like, what words, what, like, top three words do you think of when you describe Jenny? Okay, um, badass. Right, strong, bold, fearless, fierce. All of those things, the exact opposite of how she's portrayed in the movies. Yeah, in the movie, she's weak. Uh, she's not weak, but she's kind of meek and she's quiet and well, she's like timid and, and secondary yeah. and awkward. And in the book, she's confident and she's really cool. And she- well, at least she grows into being that, right? Yeah. Like, of course, in the in the first book, we see her wanting to go to. Hogwarts, and that's all we see him is like platform nine and three quarters. Can I please go, mummy? You know, and then obviously there's Chamber of Secrets where she's not exactly the queen that she will grow into. But after that, really, that incident changes her a lot. And uh, 
she grows out of her timidness and basically in all of the ways that she's presented in the film. So, like, if they were just going based off of, like, Jenny when she was 11 years old, what she would have grown into after not having the whole Tom Riddle incident, then maybe. But I think that really shoved her out of her shell a little bit and made her not sit on the sidelines of life anymore because she almost died at 11. So That and I think, you know, having Hermione give her that pep talk on top of it, just, like, telling her to go do her own thing and... She did. She took, she didn't sit there and wait for Harry anymore and have a schoolgirl crush. Like she grabbed life by the balls and went off and joined the Quidditch team, which she's extremely talented at clearly, since that's what she ended up doing professionally. She started dating and seeing what she liked and just having fun. Right. Lived her life. Ginny is honestly a feminist icon of Hogwarts. She really is. And, I mean, she just goes to show that if you just live your life and do what makes you happy, other people want like will flock to you. Like, they right. want to be your friend. They want to date you. They want to, like, just be involved in whatever you're involved in because you're living your best life. So, right. lesson from Ginny Weasley. Just go out, live your best life. Everybody else, they'll get on board eventually. <laughs> so, with every character profile, we give a background. So, we will right. do the same for Ginny even though we know her a little bit better than some of the characters we've dove into. So, Ginevra Molly Ginny Weasley was born on August 11th, 1981, um, to an English pureblood family. She's the youngest child of Arthur and Molly Weasley, seven children, and she's the first female to be born into the Weasley line for several generations, which is extremely important, yes. especially for Molly. And especially considering how strong of a woman she is. Right. So Ginny and all of her older brothers grew up in the borough on the outskirts of Honorary St. Catchpole in Devon. Devon? Devon? I'm going to go with Devon. Ginny attended Hogwarts in Devon. (laughs) (laughs) Ginny attended Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry from 1992 to 1999, and she was obviously sorted into the Gryffindor house. And then during her first year... She developed a long-standing crush on Harry Potter and came under the influence of the memory of Tom Riddle, well, his 16-year-old self, that is, Horcrux self, and the memory was preserved in the diary, which forced Jenny to reopen the Chamber of Secrets, endangering the lives of many students, including herself. Yes. Potentially problematic. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Following that whole ordeal, Ginny grew into a confident young woman, becoming an important member of the Dumbledore's Army, an organization taught and led by Harry Potter, as we know, in her fourth year. She would later fight in the Battle of the Department of Mysteries, which was in 1996, and the Battle of the Astronomy Tower in 97, and then following that, the Battle of Hogwarts in 98. She was also an accomplished Quidditch player, playing chaser and seeker at different times for the Gryffindor Quidditch team. And then, after the second Wizarding War happened, Jenny went on, finished school, and became a professional Quidditch player, which, hello, that's amazing. She's like the Mia Hamm of Quidditch. And <laughs> oh my gosh, for the I love Harpies. Mia Hamm. I always I forget about Mia Hamm. Wait, what? I always forget about her, but then whenever I'm reminded of her, I, I just get so excited about it. I don't well, know why. Well, I love her. Be- well, okay, so, <laughs> sidebar. um (laughs) she was i feel like we were kind of little when she was big you know and she always reminded me of sandra bullock 
and yes. I always got them confused. But I don't know if my attachment is to Sandra Bullock <laughs> and then like extends to Mia Ham, but <laughs> it's there regardless. <laughs> I have the best story. Okay, this is a complete tangent, but it's I feel like so important and I just have to tell it. So when I was little, I played basketball and my dad was coaching my team and it was the game that would take us to the championship game. And <laughs> this kid just at the last second, it was like a buzzer beater shot, threw it up and made the goal, like was shocked himself. It was this like little kid with glasses. And I got down and I, you know how Mia Ham used to like slide on her knees and like throw her arms yeah. up. I got to do that. <laughs> It was, it was amazing, but my my parents laughed at me. <laughs> they were like, "That was your Mia oh my Hamm gosh. moment." It was. Oh my gosh! My that's Mia so Hamm inspiring. Moment. It was little Emily in that moment. Yeah. I feel like I forgot about the fact the fact that you used to ball because I used to ball. I yeah. have balled all week long. Actually, we and did. My knee hurts. <laughs> I feel like it's a pretty common thing to grow up in a southern household and ball. It's like you have to do that, right? But I just like refound my love for it, and I even went out and bought some Jordans. <laughs> Look at you, Karn would be so proud of you. It's like for real. I bought the youth size, so they were cheaper. But anyways, <laughs> okay. Here we go. Back Refocus. to Jenny as Mia Ham, professional Quidditch player on the Hollyhead Harpies, and then she retires from the Harpies because she's just that good. She can just retire, and she became the senior Quidditch correspondent for the Daily Prophet, so not only is she badass on the pitch, she also reports and obviously has some really good journalism skills, and then eventually married Harry, and they had three children, James Sirius, Albus Severus, and Lily Luna Potter, and then Jenny eventually became the sports editor for the Daily Prophet. So, the girl's making power moves, okay? <laughs> the only thing that was left on, like, the stats that wasn't mentioned in here was her Patronus. So, meh, it's fine. I'll just leave it up. Just like, yeah, it's kind of awkward sitting out there by itself. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> also, her Patronus is a horse, so <laughs> there. <laughs> Facts. Okay, we gotta leave uh, yes. that in. Okay, fact. <laughs> Jenny's Patronus is a horse. <laughs> I just can't. Like, sometimes when we're putting these outlines together, they have, like, all this background, and we're, like, doing research, and then it's, like, randomly thrown in, like, and his Patronus was a toad. Or, like, also, something super we random. We should note, <laughs> because this is imperative information, a horse. <laughs> You know what? You know what? No, we're going to leave it in because <laughs> this whole tangent needs to be left in. <laughs> this, <laughs> the horse is very representative of Jenny. She's okay? a free spirit. We both grew up in Kentucky. We know what horses, I mean, you, yeah, you, <laughs> no. Uh, Did I, you see my horses? I can't, I can't remember. Uh, I rode your horses. Remember that most traumatic moment when you and Cody were laughing at me <laughs> was having an allergy attack on the oh horse. my gosh yes oh my gosh oh yeah so we've been around horses they are bold and fearless and they have hot tempers and it is very fitting that jenny's patronus is a horse anyways so our next little segment is 
how Ginny Weasley became one of the fiercest Harry Potter characters, which I think we can all agree is who she is. Yeah. She just is a representation of... She is sassy Harry's perfect counterpart. Yeah. I mean, she is another perfect example of a glow-up. Yeah, she is. So this all is coming to you from the Wizarding World website. We're finally just jumping on into the website. I mean, we don't really have a choice, so... I mean, it was originally published on Pottermore. We'll throw that (laughs) there. (laughs) Like everything on this, but it's fine. Okay. So, as we all know, Ginny was actually bold from the start. The first time Harry and us met Ginny, of course, was on platform nine and three quarters when she was seeing her older brothers off to Hogwarts with her mother. Although Ginny was only a little girl at this point, she was devastated as the Hogwarts Express took her brothers away to school, and we could already see glimpses of the confident witch that she would eventually become, because she was A, already eager to go to school, and she showed up, asked her mom if she could just go on this year with everyone else, and voiced a bold, if slightly insensitive, curiosity to get on the train. So, she was like, Mom, can I just please go? She's like, I don't get it. Like, I'm already here. Why can't I just get on? Yeah, and I think in her head, she's like, if Ron can go, can go. I go? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then according to Ron, like, Jenny usually never shut up. But because we see the books from Harry's perspective, Jenny seemed like a super shy person during Chamber of Secrets. Except she wasn't really ever shy. She just had a pesky new crush. It was a theme that continued for the whole year, with Jenny intentionally avoiding Harry as much as possible, apart from a slightly cringe-inducing Valentine's Okay, pop- yes, that was cringe-worthy, but also bold. Yeah, and like... It was very bold yeah, of her. Yeah, exactly. And let's not forget that we also mentioned this before and what someone posted on our Facebook about Jenny, but she was also bold in this book when she stood up to Malfoy. And yes, it might have been a product of her crush, or it might have just been like she stood up to a bully because she saw that he was doing something mean. Exactly. There's also the Tom Riddle incident. Um, (laughs) Tom Riddle of it all. (laughs) It's just the Tom Riddle of it all. Yeah, the Tom Riddle of it all. As if Jenny's preteen insecurities weren't already you know, embarrassing enough with her being in love with the eventual chosen one and her brother's best friend. They were then harnessed by Tom Riddle's diary and a mysterious book that Jenny thought she could confide in about her first year woes, but sadly not because Lord Voldemort lived inside of that diary and Jenny eventually was possessed as the dark wizard began to absorb her strength and control her into opening the chamber of secrets and nearly killed her and others at the school. Although, the event, just undeniably traumatic for anybody, was a pivotal point in Ginny's life. Instead of retreating into herself, as would be understandable after something of that magnitude happening to you at 11 years old, right? she overcame it. And from that point on, Ginny's confidence steadily grew throughout the series. She pushed, she pushed herself to remain cheerful and socially active, even though she later admitted to Harry that the horrific experience had never left her. Because, I mean, she obviously has PTSD. I mean, I mean, obviously. Who wouldn't? And then in Prisoner of Azkaban, Jenny had got a little bit older and wiser and eventually found her voice. But as for Harry, with each passing year, her crush softened and she was able to hold more normal conversations with him. But Jenny's growth 
was for herself and not just for Harry, which we've mentioned. Like, she focused on herself. And by the time Order of the Phoenix reformed upon Voldemort's return, Ginny immediately began conspiring with Fred and George to learn about the Order's activities and to help the effort in any way possible, even though she wasn't of age. And, like, how many times did she get yelled at by Mrs. Weasley? And she yelled and raged and stormed out of the kitchen or wherever because she wasn't old enough to learn about what was going on in Order of the Phoenix. So she's definitely starting to stick up for herself and assert herself into different situations. Mm-hmm. During this time period, she also explored new romantic situations. So as her self-confidence grew, Ginny's taste for independence grew with it. Mixed with a rebellious streak, no doubt encouraged by her brothers, Fred and George, she also started dating a few um, people from Harry's year, including <laughs> Michael Corner and Dean Thomas, and re- remained entirely unbothered at Ron's objections to having boyfriends at all. In fact, Ginny was suddenly a lot more cavalier about things. And if someone crossed her, that's what her bat bogey hexes are for. <laughs> so she didn't, <laughs> Ginny doesn't take anybody's shit, which leads us yep. into the next thing. Yeah. And it wasn't just that, though, because when the DA was formed, Ginny was a huge part of it. In fact, she even came up with the name, Dumbledore's Army, noting that it must be the Ministry's worst fear. And Ginny was always a highly capable witch to boot, used by her brother George as evidence that size is no guarantee of power. Ginny performed well at every DA meeting, excelling next to her peers and fought older, more experienced Death Eaters without hesitation, both at the Department of Mysteries and at the Battle of Hogwarts, aka Bellatrix. Hello, she just ran and took on her. And she survived every time. She's also extremely emotionally practical, which I think is very important to keep in mind. Not only is she super fierce, but her emotional range is not that of a teaspoon, but is very (laughs) broad. So Ginny remained not only emotionally open as she grew up, but emotionally practical too. She was the first of Harry's social group to befriend and accept Luna Lovegood, for example, but at the time was the only one who treated Harry with active compassion rather than passive sympathy. Which is extremely important because he picked up on that and he like acknowledged that. That's what he needed. And saw that. Like she was not just bullshitting him. She actually cared about him. Yeah. She acknowledged the traumatic events in his past but pushed him to deal with them rather than shutting his friends out as was in the case of Harry's possession by Voldemort. And it's very, very good that Harry has someone like Jenny to do this. She pointed out it was stupid of Harry to avoid talking to them, and her especially, as she was the only person who he knew who had been possessed previously by Voldemort. Yeah, I feel like the fact that she can just, like, treat him as a regular human and kind of, like, bring him back down to earth yeah, is what he needs, because exactly. that's all he ever wanted. Like, he never asked to be the chosen one. Like, he just wants to be normal, and she treats him like that. Exactly. Her growth over the series was nothing short of inspirational. She grew from being too timid to even be in the same room as Harry, let alone speak to him, into a strong, confident, brave woman with her own considerable talents. An ace on a broom, a troublemaker, a warrior, Harry lucked out, to be honest. Yeah, he did. He hit the jackpot, for sure. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely, like, as you said, 
she treats him like a normal person. She sees, yes, he is the chosen one. Yes, he has his job. Yes, unfortunately, a lot of shit has happened to him in his life, and that's terrible. And he, But he needs to deal with that, and he needs to move on from that. Because, you know, we all have stuff that we deal with in our life. I mean, she had gotten possessed. She had gotten bullied by her older brothers, I'm sure. She, you know, all these things, right? But she had to overcome those things. And she expects other people to deal with their lives too. And I think that's really good of Ginny, honestly. She's like, you need to work on yourself and then we can be together. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just like everybody, even if you haven't fully dealt with your issues, you have to realize that there's more going on than just your issues. It's more than just this fight against Voldemort. And like in everyday life, everybody has problems. Right. So just like be able to know that that's not the end all be all to your situation every single day and just kind of like treat it how it is day by day and then just don't let it control you, which Harry has a tendency to just overthink and let his problems control him. And I think that she just kind of like pokes holes into the that like bubble that harry kind of keeps himself in right but anyways let's move on to some of our favorite jenny quotes and she has so many great quotes and moments but we're just going to list some of our favorites chronologically throughout the series so of course our first one we have to start with is when jenny is saying to draco leave him alone he didn't want all that and it was the first time that she had spoken in front of harry she was glaring at malfoy and this was in chamber of secrets Yes. And then my personal favorite Ginny moment is actually in reference to Ginny. She did not say this herself. So it was when George said to Harry, yeah, size is no guarantee of power. Look at Ginny. What do you mean, said Harry? You've never been on the receiving end of one of her bat bogey hexes, have you? (laughs) So I just love that. And I love that even though she is the youngest of all these siblings, she's extremely intimidating. Like, they are scared of her at some point. (laughs) So, I just love that. Right. They definitely don't underestimate her, which a lot of people tend to do. Like, they know better than to underestimate their little sister because she's fierce. And then there's the instance when they are meeting and deciding about what to call themselves for the DA. And uh, it starts by Cho saying, the Defense Association, the DA for short, so nobody knows what we're talking about? Yeah, the DA's good, said Jenny. Only let's make it stand for Dumbledore's army, because that's the ministry's worst fear, isn't it? So clearly she comes up with the name and shows her genius because she is making it even more terrifying for them, the fact that they're breaking rules and practicing defense against the dark arts without a teacher and uh like forming in groups but also the fact that they're calling themselves Dumbledore's army and they're claiming the fear that the ministry is feeding off of Mm -hmm. and then she also deals with sassy Harry better than anybody else (laughs) Harry to Ginny I didn't want anyone to talk to me said Harry who was feeling more and more nettled well that was a bit stupid of you said Ginny angrily seeing as you don't know anyone but me who's been possessed by you know who and I can tell you how it feels Harry remained quite still as the impact of these words hit him then he wheeled around I forgot he said lucky you said Ginny coolly yeah oh, like you'll love to see it <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay 
And then another Jenny line to Harry. The thing about growing up with Fred and George is that you sort of start to think anything's possible if you've got enough nerve. This is my favorite Jenny quote by far. Like, she just believes in herself, and I think that's all the difference, you know? Yeah. And then here's another good moment, uh, again, in reference to Ginny. And I love these little moments that bring Ginny into the story more from J.K. Rowling. Because you can tell that she's, Mm -hmm. like, slowly building her up in our minds. And we're like, oh, my God, she's really powerful. Right. Just based on other people's words and impressions of her. Right, right. So, Harry to Ron. How'd you get away? Asked Harry in amazement, taking his wand back from Ron. Couple of stunners, a disarming charm. Neville brought off a really nice impediment jinx, said Ron airily, now handing back Hermione's wand too. But Ginny was best. She got Malfoy, bat bogey hex. It was superb. His whole face was covered with the great flapping wings. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And then Jenny says to Harry and Ron after this, when she's like protesting that she should go to the ministry with them, I'm three years older than you were when you fought you-know-who over the Philosopher's Stone. And it's because of me that Malfoy stuck back in Umbridge's office with great flying bogeys attacking him. Yes, girl, you stand up for yourself. And then this is my second favorite Ginny moment of the entire series by far. Because it shows (laughs) that not only does she have a fantastic sense of humor, but she's going to literally... She just navigates being her brother's best friend's girlfriend so well. Like, so well. She just has, like, the British banter that you don't see a lot right. in these books. Like, she fits she is right in. So witty and amazing. I love it. Okay, so, Jenny to Harry. You'd think people had better things to gossip about. Three Dementor attacks in a week, and all Ramilda Vane does is ask me if it's true if you got a hippogriff tattooed across your chest. What did you tell her? <laughs> I told her it's a Hungarian horntail, much more macho. Thanks. What did you tell her Ron's got? A pygmy puff, but I didn't say where. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I know. And then we've got the moment when Harry realizes that he has to break up with Jenny in order to protect her. And he says, Jenny, listen, I can't be involved with you anymore. We've got to stop seeing each other. We can't be together. It's for some stupid noble reason, isn't it? Which we've mentioned before, but still. This like this whole white tomb burial scene between them is just perfect. So we're basically going to like quote the whole thing. Yeah. And then there's a heartbreaking moment. Um, But also I think it shows that even though at this point when she's 16 years old, how wise beyond her years that Ginny is. So she says, I never really gave up on you, she said. Not really. I always hoped. Hermione told me to get on with my life, maybe go out with some other people, relax a bit around you, because I never used to be able to talk to if you were in the same room, remember? And then she thought you might take a bit more notice if I was a bit more myself. Smart girl, that Hermione, said Harry, trying to smile. I wish I'd asked you sooner. We could have had ages, months, years, maybe. But you've been busy saving the wizarding world, said Jenny, half laughing. Well, I can't say I'm surprised. I knew this would happen in the end. And you wouldn't be happy unless you were hunting Voldemort. Maybe that's why I like you so much. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. Like, she, like, again, her emotional intelligence. Like, she, she knows that she loves someone who isn't just a regular person and she always has 
and I, I, ugh, I'm gonna get emotional. Okay, and then in Deathly Hollows, when Harry kind of approaches Jenny before the wedding um, at the borough, he is like narrating this about Jenny. She was not tearful. That was one of the many wonderful things about Jenny. She was rarely weepy. He had sometimes thought that having six brothers must have toughened her up. She took a step closer to him. So then I thought you'd like to have something to remember me by, you know, if you meet some Vila when you're off doing whatever you're doing. I think dating opportunities are going to be pretty thin on the ground, to be honest. There's the silver lining I've been hoping for, she whispered, and then she was kissing him as she had never kissed him before, and Harry was kissing her back, and it was blissful oblivion better than fire whiskey. She was the only real thing in the world, Jenny. The feel of her, one hand at her back, one in her long, sweet-smelling hair. <laughs> so I just, I used to get excited to read that passage. Not gonna, like, be ashamed to admit, because I just felt like, I could feel that Harry actually loved her, yeah. and it was way different than anything that I had felt, like, Harry express emotionally ever before. Yeah, and I think the way J.K. Rowling described that love that he felt, like, better than fire whiskey, like, that's the just damn truth, right? Like, she's the only thing real, the only thing that matters. Like, right. And Yeah, we've, we've been there, we've felt that before. Yeah, I feel that all the time, you know, and it's, <laughs> I think when you, like, find that person, it's just, it's so wonderful, and I think the way they complement each other so well, and then also the fact that, you know, she goes on to have this incredibly successful Quidditch career, and he goes on to have this incredibly successful horror career, and then they get together after she accomplishes all that. It's just, it's so awesome, and... I don't know. I, a lot of people argue that <clears throat> he should have ended up with Hermione or he should have ended up with someone else, but I really don't think there was anyone better fit for him than Ginny. No, I don't either. And even, you know, we like to focus on her being a part of the story as she is, as Harry's love interest, but I think even if we took away the parts of her that are tied to Harry and we just kept in the bits of her, like, taking over on the Quidditch team and like being the seeker when Harry had detention and like just really fucking stepping up to the plate and being awesome like she still stand alone without Harry and the love interest and everything that makes this book more complex and lovely is an amazing character right like, even without her relation to him yeah she is I can't say enough great things about her I'm so excited to finish Half-Blood Prince and get some of my favorite Ginny moments and then go on to read Deathly Hollows where there are even more great moments. Yeah, she's just a force to be reckoned with, honestly. She really, she really is. is. I mean, she just lights up the page whenever she's on it. She does. And the way that J.K. Rowling writes her characters, especially, and we've said this many, many times, especially in our, like, Galentine's Day episode, uh, especially her female characters, she really writes for every girl out there to identify with mm -hmm. someone. And I feel like as two women like me and Sam, who are extremely independent and have been in kind of a situation where you kind of have to take a step back and focus on yourself, because if you don't love yourself, how the hell do you expect anyone else to love you back? RuPaul. Um, but, <laughs> but I'm just saying like she took time to work on herself and, to not be boy crazy and focus on her attraction and crush on Harry. Like, she took time to 
build her friendships and yes, date around too to see if she really wanted to be with Harry. And it's just so important, especially to learn as a young woman that that's okay to take time for yourself because eventually like as you grow up, it's really hard to keep reminding yourself that it's okay because we're told that we need to, you know, take care of everyone else. But I just think it's such a prime example of J.K. Rowling just sprinkling these little things into her stories that are important for us all to remember, but especially for women to remember. Yeah, I mean, she just, like, teaches us a lesson by giving us these characters, and we don't even realize that we're learning anything by relating to them and, like, watching their actions play out on the page, but we are. We're being influenced by them, and I think it's great how she does that so subtly and beautifully and masterfully. Yeah. Well, that's our Ginny profile. At least for now. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> well, at least for now. That's all. Um, next week, we'll be back with our last book deep dive. Good lord. It's been a minute since we've talked about Half-Blood Prince. So yes. I am uh, nervous, and I'm excited, and I'm sad, and I'm going to have all the emotions next there week. There probably will be tears. We Shit. will be crying. Uh, if you thought Sirius Black was emotional, you ain't seen nothing yet, folks. As always, you can find us at HP Half Drunk on Instagram and Twitter, and Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast on Facebook. Also, join our Facebook group. It is poppin'. It is poppin'. I'm obsessed. And you can also subscribe and follow us on iTunes and Spotify. Feel free to leave us a five-star rating and leave us a review if you like what you hear or if you want to hear anything, let us know. Send us a DM. We always love hearing from you all. And um, yeah. Have a good week and wash your hands. (laughs) (laughs) Stay safe out there, guys. (laughs) Cheers. Mischief managed. (laughs) 